if you have kids and you want to send them to the back, you, you can certainly do that. If you want to keep them with you, that's totally fine as well. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. How many of you guys came to church last week and it was closed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to try harder to, you know, do better with announcements. But if you could pay attention while we're announcing, that would help as well. Uh, happy birthday, Laurel. Anybody else got a birthday in here? See, you're special. See, if you see Laurel today, tell her happy birthday. Um, while I have everybody's attention before the sermon, um, we're going to try to get home groups back in the homes, okay? If you live in the Harrison area and you're fairly consistent here and you want to start becoming part of this body and you have a house that you would like to open up for people to meet in, <clears throat> then get with me. Um, your house would need to be large enough to accommodate 30 to 35 people and hopefully enough to have enough parking to not upset your neighbors uh, or anybody else. Um, if that's you and you're willing and you want to do that, get a hold of me. Um, but we have probably three to four places already. Here's the thing, guys. We're going to probably next week, I think maybe in February, we're going to start meeting back in the homes. Home group won't be at the church anymore. <clears throat> if you're going to consistently come to home group, we're going to have a number next week we're going to put on the board. Okay, you're going to consistently come to home group. It doesn't mean like you have to make everyone. It just means like if you're going to be there more than not, two to three sun, uh, Mondays out of out of a month, then I want you to. I would like you to text that number, and you're going to be put into a a text-based group where on Monday you'll get a text or sometime before saying this is the address you're going to go to for home group because we're going to split it up. Okay, and um, if if you, you need to go to that one. Now, if you don't consistently come to home group, please do not sign up on that text list because it throws the numbers off. Because if everybody signs up for it and then you don't come, we're trying to make it even. And then it gets to be where it's overloaded one way or the other. If you still want to come to home group and you don't sign up for the text list, then just pick one that you haven't gone to before and go to it and just show up. Okay? We will have the addresses on the Sunday before the Monday, showing you where all three are going to be, or all two, or however many we're going to have. If you're not on the text list, just say, hey, I want to go to that one. The next time you come, go to the one you didn't go to. We'll leave it on an honor system that way. Does that make sense? If you bring somebody with you, don't send them to one you're not going to. Take them with you, you know. Um, so if you're bringing a visitor or something like that, just take them to whatever group you're going to. But if you're going to consistently come, um, please sign up for that text alert because that we will put you in a pool and then begin to split that up in a random sense so we don't create like little microcultures that get leave anybody out. How's that sound? Is that you guys good with that? <clears throat> okay. Um, also here soon um, we're going to be able to move the worship night. Uh, we'll have more announcements on that. Um, the Lord brought in some money for us to finally purchase our system. Uh, for a portable unit. Thank you, Lord. That was a lot of money. <laughs> and we've been saving for a long time, and this has been a dream of mine probably for the last, I don't know, six to eight years. Um, and it looks like we're finally able to, mount, to now do that. So what we want to do in the, in the community is we're going to have a worship night. That's, we used to have it here on the first Sunday night of the month. 
Um, it's going to be on the first Sunday night of the month, but it's going to be somewhere else in a neutral location so we can invite other houses and other groups and other churches to be a part of it. But we're not going to be having preaching and doctrine and teaching. It's just going to be worship and prayer. And uh, when people come in, I don't really want them to even know who's in charge except Jesus. And so we're going to try to to launch that in a corporate expression, hopefully bring some unity to the churches here in the area. Um, it probably will take a minute to gain some traction. Um, you know how pastors are. They don't they don't trust something until, you know, it's not threatening. So we'll, we'll work that out. And uh, uh, we're not interested in trying to take anybody from anybody else's church. We're just trying to get Jesus lifted up in the city. And... Um, and so that's what we're going to try to do. It will hopefully be at the Duran Center the first Sunday night of every month. For those of you who come here, we're going to move our potluck service to the last Sunday of every month. So we'll be announcing that. That way we don't have too big of a, of a, uh, yeah, a, a, a Sunday. <laughs> so, um, so those are the things that are coming. And we also have some other announcements that we're going to be making here as well. Uh, I just spoke with uh, Dr. Gladstone. How many of you guys ever heard him speak? Yeah, he's... A major mentor of mine. Um, we we got him coming back in July, and uh, hopefully tentatively, as long as he's feeling okay. And so, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, what else was I going to say? Gosh, man, I don't even remember. Oh, no. Okay. All right. So we've had a little break, right? And uh, how many of you guys remember where we're at? <laughs> Yeah, you're brave to show up again. <laughs> you knew and you still came, so bless you. Courage is in the house. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going through the book of Ephesians. For those of you who are new, welcome. We bless you. We're, we're, we're glad you're here. If you're not normally part of this house, then, then uh, we, we want to get to know you. And uh, we, we have a lot of things going on throughout the week, so that way we can get to know you. We, we feel like church is... is more than just a Sunday morning expression. It should be a, a habitation of God amongst his people um, day in, day out, as much as our, our culture will allow and geography, right? So we try to love people as much as we can where we're at, and uh, we encourage you to get a part of whatever we're doing if you're interested. Get with one of us, and we'll help you. But we're going verse by verse, and we've, we've, we're, we're contextualizing Ephesians to chapter 6. Everybody wants to talk about chapter 6. Those of you who've heard me speak on this, you're going to hear a little bit more repetition because I'm going to have to remind us where we're at, right? So everybody wants spiritual warfare because that gives us a place where we feel like we have authority and power. We want to be able to control demons and, and tell them what to do. And, you know, un unfortunately, most Christians listen to them more than the demons listen to the Christian. And, uh, and so that's what Paul writes the book of Ephesians about. He culminates chapter 6 at the end because unless we do 1 through 5... Our spiritual warfare is compromised. The emphasis that Paul puts on practicality of living life together, understanding who we are in our eternal past sense, in our eternal future sense, in Christ, and the objectives of God in chapter 1 all the way through his, his, his instructions on communal life in chapters 2, 3, 4, and even 5 and 5 and a half when he talks about family order all come before chapter 6. And you guys have heard me say this over and over and over again. If you show me a family out of order, I'm going to show you a family that's subjected to spiritual darkness. Yes. We cannot... 
Spiritual warfare is not you shouting at the devil, telling him what to do because you got a blip of courage. Spiritual warfare is the ability to stand in the micro attacks that come through your life because you love Jesus so much and you're submitted to his word that by the time that the, the, the attack actually comes, you've been living in subjection to God and, and, and resistance of the enemy. That gives you the courage and the ability to move forward in what God's asking you to do. Does this make sense? This is why when some people pray for you, things break instantly because they live lives under the influence of the Holy Spirit and they live lives under the influence of the Word of God. They don't live lives of rebellion. Do you remember? Remember the seven sons of Sceva? Jesus I know, Paul I know, you're using all the right lingo, but you have no authority in my life. You, you follow me? If, if, if it's just a, just a base elementary concept that everybody can understand. If a young man's struggling with pornography and he keeps looking at it and he tells the demon of lust to leave him alone, it's not going to happen. <laughs> because you've convinced the devil that that is your weak spot and you're going to have to convince him longer than just one time and prove to him, no, this is no longer a part of my life. And then he'll just find some other way to attack you. Right? <clears throat> Does this make sense to you? If you're constantly arguing with your wife, you're never going to have peace in your home. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, McKinley. I appreciate it. I want you to understand how important the horizontal is to our relationship with Jesus. Spooky spiritual people will make it seem like all they need is a relationship with Jesus and nothing else. The problem I have with that is Jesus said, if you have a problem with your brother, you got to deal with that before you come to me. So I wonder how much of our worship is tainted because our horizontal is not dealt with. Are you following me? So this is what we've been talking about up to this point. So we're going through verse by verse on Paul's master crafted ability to be able to give practical example to the church of Jesus. And if we don't live these things, then we're going to be subject to the things that we want to actually be in our life. And God wants us to be more than conquerors, but we have to conquer first to be more than a conquerer. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> we're more than conquerors. Well, why don't you start conquering before you go into more than conquerors? Let's start there, right? And then, then we'll move forward. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's, everybody wants to take out Goliath, but nobody wants to fight the, the, the lion and the bear. Yes. The lion and the bear happen in the home. Yes. The lion and the bear happen with what God's given you to, to shepherd. The Goliath is over the nations and the regions. <laughs> You're not going to take out a Goliath if you haven't taken out the lion and the bear in your home. Yes. So, Amen. do you know how many pastors are out of order? The, Paul, the, Paul it's not my opinion. It's the Word of God. I didn't write it. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like some of the things the, the Word of God says, but that's my problem. <laughs> but I've got to get right with the Word. There's, there's, there's order in spiritual authority. This is why I, I disagree with people putting people in, in, in pastoral leadership when they're young in the Lord. I had a, a guy reached out to me recently and says, hey, I want to be a pastor. This guy's got like 25 years string of drug addiction, and, and he's in and out and in and out and in and out. And he's got this history of, of, uh, that I've known at least for the last eight years of, of you know, going into the terrible darkness and drug addiction and coming out and getting this religious zeal. 
and he has another one of these ups, and he wants to be a pastor. Now he's going through pastoral studies, and then I find out, you know, six months later, he's a pastor, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is not how that works. This is not how that works. This is how you destroy people. This is how you destroy the gospel. See, the, the American church does not want anything to do with the order of God. We want to have a good idea and have somebody pat us on the back and say, go for it. Because the American church has no idea what submission actually means. So now comes this toe-stepping time. Let me ask you a question. It's a question I can ask you because I've done it myself. Have you ever really submitted to anybody in your life other than yourself? I mean, truly. Have you ever submitted to an opinion other than your own? If the answer is really no, like when the push comes to shove and you do what you want, regardless of the counsel that's around you, you can't honestly answer yes. And if you can't answer yes, then that's a part of Jesus that you're not like because Jesus submitted to something he did not want to do. And it involved your sin and mine. See, Gladstone, who's coming, he taught me this. He said, it's not submission until you disagree. Because if you're going to do it anyway, it's just already what you've decided. It just happens to align with what you already want to do. Kids, we're going to Disneyland. We choose to submit. Kids, make your bed. I don't want to. You follow what I'm saying? So... We're in verse, uh, what, 20-something? We had to stop here because it's a huge topic. Verse 22, you can turn to Ephesians 5.22, and I'm going to just leave that up on the board as we begin to move forward. Why does Paul address this? Because a home that's out of order is a home that lives in chaos. A home that's in chaos cannot have peace, and a home that does not have peace does not have the Spirit of God present. A home that does not have the Spirit of God present is a home that darkness will rule. So, we're going to talk about the power of the woman. Submission, the power of a woman. First thing, I have to give you some exceptions to submission. Here's, submission is one of the things in Christianity that is completely just, it's a four-letter word, <clears throat> especially in the feminine mind in our American culture because we don't understand what biblical submission really is. What we've taught people submission is, is you do what I say regardless. And that's not submission. That's dictatorship. God doesn't do that. So there's some exceptions to submission, and I'm going to list those up front and get them out of the way so we don't have to talk about that later on, okay? Ladies, in no way, shape, fashion, or form should you submit to abuse, ever. Not sexual, not immoral, not mental, not physical. It is not submission to submit to abuse. 
In fact, you should do the exact opposite. You should leave. You should exit the environment. I'm not saying get divorced because I don't believe in that, but you should move out long enough for God to be able to work in that man's life and not subject yourself to those types of things. It's not submission if a husband says, we're going to have multiple partners and you're going to submit. That is demonic. You follow what I'm saying? There are certain realms of submission that you do not have to get into, and it always classifies itself under abuse. You're never supposed to submit to abuse. Jesus doesn't do that. You follow me? So husbands, if you have to demand submission, you're not a true leader. Okay? If you have to demand that your wife submit to you, you're already not leading in a way that makes her feel safe. If you're going to use scripture and say, you got to submit to me, you've missed the point of submission. Because let me say this up front. True biblical submission is voluntary. It's voluntary. And if you're not leading in a way that makes people want to submit, then you're just a dictator. It's quiet in here, really quiet in here. Maybe I should have started with a joke. Okay. I had one, but I didn't think it was appropriate. I mean, not immorally, but... Okay. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Does everybody got that written down in their piece of paper? Abuse is never something you submit to. Okay. Got that out of the way? All right. So now when we go forward, you're not like, what if my husband... No. If it falls under any category of abuse, you do not have to follow that. Okay? All right. Okay. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3. You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to put up on the board. Uh, Jacob, you can just leave that there. Genesis chapter 3, let's start from the beginning. Okay, guys, this is going to take multiple services. Are you guys okay with that? Okay, do you want me to try to cram it all into one and, and overwhelm you? Okay. All right. Submission is absolutely the most powerful thing you will ever touch outside of the blood of Jesus in this earth because submission gives you access to a kingdom that operates under the principle of submission. The kingdom operates on submission. How did you get saved? Through the blood of Jesus by faith. But how did you get saved? You what? You submitted. You gained access to something that was greater than your current reality through submission in trust and faith to something you did not completely and fully know. True or not? Submission is always in the context of something you're not quite aware of the details of, but yet you know you should do it and it's right. This makes sense. Here's the problem with women. I'll get to the men later. Women only want to submit if it makes sense, it makes them feel safe, and if they understand. Did Jesus tell you everything that was going to happen in your life as a Christian before you got saved and lay it all out and make you feel completely safe with all the details, or did he just ask you to follow him? Do you know why, ladies, you can submit? It's because you love. True submission has to be found not in knowledge, but in love. Love will create the safety net and the peace that will override your need to know the details. 
If you love, then submitting is safe. But if your love is compromised or love is not being shown in the home, and I don't mean in a manipulative sense where you get to decide where that bar and standard is, ladies. You don't get to do that because that's manipulation. And no man can be what you want him to be. That was the joke I was going to start with. I didn't say it, but, but it's a good joke. Anyway, <laughs> no man can be what you want him to be except Jesus. None. So you can't make a man perform and then just, because all you'll do is raise the standard and keep raising the standard and keep raising the standard. And pretty soon a man, that will kill a man because he can't be that good. And he'll give in. He'll quit. And then you'll be mad at him because he quits. And he, you think he's apathetic. He's just tired of your standard. I don't hear any amens in the room. You guys are smart, guys. No men said amen. <laughs> Maybe I should have uh, advised you to put a few children between you and your husband during this sermon. <laughs> just create some space. The elbows don't reach as far when you do that. So let's start from the beginning. Do you realize that in the very beginning, man was one? He had both the feminine and masculine nature inside of him. Okay? But you also understand that this forced Adam to be in unity. There was no choice. It forced him to be in unity with two parts of himself that was the two parts of God because God has a feminine side in the Holy Spirit and he has a masculine side in, in, in being Abba, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? Yes. We talked about the feminine nature of the Holy Spirit, did we not? Yes. If you weren't here, you can go back online and find these, 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 these sermons. So when Adam was one, he had both the feminine and the, and, and the masculine inside of him. God said this is not good because he's alone, right? So he separates the feminine nature from the masculine nature. You follow me? Now do you see that because they're separated, when they are one, it's by choice and by love. It's not forced. But if they are not one, it's because of what? Choice. So when God sees unity in the earth, he sees it because it's, it was made by choice in love. Unity cannot happen any other way than by love. And it takes a choice to do that. So when man and woman are operating in one, it's a choice to love one another. Because the idea is, is that the enemy wants to keep them apart. Right? Because God separated these two things, not in a bad sense, but in a sense that they could come together. What God puts together, let what? No man separate. It's a choice for us to now be one with that person. Okay? You with me? You following me so far? So this was God's intention. When Adam and Eve were split apart in that sense, this is when the enemy came to bring forth division. Let's go to verse 1. It says, Now the serpent more subtle than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made said to the woman, Has God said, You will not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Listen to this. It's interesting to me that the enemy came to Eve first. Why did, the, why did the snake not go to Adam? Why? He wasn't at that time. They were equal. You see, the submission level, the, the order didn't change until after sin. The, part of the curse, listen, ladies, the reason you have to submit now part of the, is, in, in this sense, is because it's part of the curse. 
In the spirit, there's no male or female. We're one. Just the same way your husband has to get up and, and work in the sweat of his brow, and that's part of his curse, the woman has to now, his, God said, your desire will be to your husband and he would rule over you. It's part of the curse. In this point here, they're not this and this, they're equal. You with me? At this point in the game, they are equal. Why did the enemy go to Eve first? Because each part, even though equal, has different strengths and weaknesses. And the enemy will always exploit a weakness to be able to get in. Part of that feminine nature is the part that desires to see and to feel and to know. You with me? And so knowledge was tempted, it was, it was temptable to Eve because she wanted to understand and know all the details. You seen that video going around the internet? The guy says, Hey, you know, pray for so and so. He got in a wreck. You know, the husband tells his wife, Pray for so and so. They got in a wreck. Well, was he okay? I don't know. Yeah, I was just told to pray for so and so and got in a wreck. Well, well, what was he driving? Well, I, I don't know. I was just told to pray for so and so because he got in a wreck. Well, well is, is, is Margie with him? I, I don't know. I was just told, you know, that it's, it's hilarious because it's true. My wife and I do that all the time, and I'm like, Honey, I don't know. I, sorry. I, I didn't ask all those questions. It's not normal for me to do that. <laughs> Men, they're just, I'm going to pray for so-and-so because they just got in a wreck, you know. And the women want to know the details. And even psychologists will tell you that women are like a plate of spaghetti. And men are like waffles. And we have all our little compartmentalizations. We're able to separate everything appropriately for the right time and everything. And women, it's, it's all connected. I mean, literally, we can talk about one thing, and we're all the way over here, and like, what is he? he but... <sighs> yes, yes, dear. <laughs> Knowledge was, was alluring to Eve, but it wasn't to Adam. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Knowledge without love brings death. Why do you think later on God says to Adam or to us in Christ as the men, husbands, what? Love your wives. Why? Because love is the only thing that can satisfy knowledge. Love is the only thing that can pacify knowledge. Love is the only thing that can really shut knowledge up. Right? Are you following me? Yes. Love builds up, knowledge puffs up, right? Yes. So why did, they, why did the enemy go to Eve first whenever they were both equal? Because when the enemy comes to a home, a life, a marriage, or something like that, he's always going to exploit different weaknesses. It wasn't that Eve was less than Adam at this time. It's that she had a, spe a specific weakness that he could exploit. Does it make her bad? No, it just makes that they're, they're just different. They're different. You with me? And she says, but all the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, you, you shall not eat. 
Don't touch it, lest, you, lest you'll die. And the serpent said, you will not die. For God knows that in the day thereof, your eyes will be opened and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. This is the knowledge, the temptation, the understanding. She wanted to understand what it was like to be like God, even though she already was. See, the idea for true faith is this. Jesus makes us like himself, even though we don't understand what that really means. <laughs> right? John 1.12, you'll become the sons of God if you believe. You become like Jesus. Do you understand all that process? I have no idea how all that works. But see, we want, she wanted knowledge. She wanted to know how to be like God, even though she already was. She wanted the details of all that stuff. And so the enemy's like, look, if you do this, you'll get those details. You'll have it all figured out. You'll be just like him. God's keeping something from you. And so is your husband. You see the level of, of, of surplanting there. That, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just this skepticism, that... that Suspicion. There you go. <laughs> you ever seen the other meme on the internet? He's guys just rolled over, laying in bed, and like, you know, I bet he's thinking about this. And then it says, like, you know, I wish I could just go to sleep. You know, <laughs> you know women do that to men. All like, what, are you, what are you thinking? You know, and, and and it's just this 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 part of the curse that women have to deal with. Men, we'll get to the men. They'll have their issues. You know, I'm not saying they're, per- but we're dealing with what Paul starts. Why does Paul start with the women? Because they have the greatest influence of power. Hands down. They have the greatest influence of power in a home, in a family, in a body. Okay? That's why he starts there. The devil knew that too. See, if the devil can convince Eve, then he doesn't just have Eve, but he has her offspring. You gain the woman, you gain the generations. I want you to understand, ladies, how powerful you are. Not in a demonic sense, not in a manipulative sense, because I don't want to teach submission from the standpoint where I'm just going to get up here and pound you into the submission. You're going to submit to your... That's not, that's not the point. The point is understanding the order of what God's saying and the power in which he created you to live and how much the enemy hates that. And if he can get a hold of you, he can get a hold of your whole family. So they, they, she, gave, she gives this thing to, to uh, Adam, and they both eat. Her eyes are open, verse 7. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And then they heard the voice of the, of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. It's the first time in their life where the voice of God scared them. Why? Because knowledge brings fear. Be careful, ladies, what you actually want to know. This is why women deal with fear. So I've never met a woman in my life that did not deal with fear. Never. Never. In fact, I I say this in counseling sessions all the time. A man's lust, um, what lust is for a man, fear is for a woman. It possesses them. 
They live in it constantly in their head. Most of the, con- the conversations they have with themselves are over what is going to happen, what would happen, what could happen, what has happened. And it's, it's all based in fear. Why? Because fear has its power in knowledge. The more you know about someone's sin, the less safe you feel. And then you begin to identify people by their sin instead of how God does. And you begin to identify your husband by the faults that he has because you're afraid of where those faults are going to lead you. So then you put an identity over him that God did not. And the enemy rules again through fear that has its power in knowledge. This is why he offered to Eve that fruit of that tree to know the knowledge of good and evil. To know what's good and what's evil. Well, if you know what's good and what's evil, that's fine. But if you don't know what to do with it, that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, oh, I recognize the spirit of lust on that man. Well, congratulations, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. How is that spiritual for you? Like, you can't fix it. Jesus can fix stuff. You hear what I'm saying? Yes. Knowledge does not give you the power to address what you see. Knowledge does not give you the power to address what you see. Knowledge does not give you the power to address what you see. So what good is it to see it? It's torment. We were never supposed to eat of the tree. You follow me? Okay. And he said, who told you you were naked? You ate, did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? In the, you see, the devil addresses Eve, right? But when God shows up, who does he address? <laughs> this is another reason why you need to learn submission, because submission is dangerous if, if God is going to judge your husband. See, if you don't learn the proper order of what God has placed, then God's going to judge your husband for what you've done that you thought was right, but was really wrong. In other words, you make his judgment day even worse by not letting him take the blame, but by you stepping into that position to offset the wrongs that you see, keep him from doing what he should do, which causes a greater judgment upon him. So you say, oh, I love my husband. Well, if you do, let him, let him be judged by God. Because he's going to one that's going to have to answer to God for the home. See, those guys who came in this week thinking, yeah, my money, he's going to tell my woman to get in position. You probably, you know, realize, don't realize how much of a, pl- a role you actually play in this. Show me a woman who naturally submits to her husband, and I'll show you a husband who loves his wife. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean we don't, we don't bring baggage with us. Ladies, you can't project your past onto your, your present husband. And I, know, I see women do that all the time. They've been hurt by X and X and X and X this or whatever, and then they assume that, you know, well, you're going to do the same thing to me. That's demonic. That's demonic. Just because somebody else hurt you doesn't mean that they will. Now, I'm not saying they won't. <laughs> They're human. Love heals hurt. So God comes to Adam and says, he says, what'd you do? And he says, this is the woman that you gave me, right? And it's interesting to me that God doesn't say anything about that. He just looks at her and goes, 
hey, what'd you do? And she's like, well, I was tricked. See, there's something about what the enemy does to the, to the female mind that causes her to get so locked up into what he's saying that she ends up going the wrong direction. This is why men have a different ability in that area. It doesn't mean they're better. It just means they're better at certain things. Women are better at certain things in God that men cannot do and they'll never be able to do, and they have more power in those areas than men will ever have. But there's other things that men can do in the kingdom of God that women will not be able to do, and they will never be able to do it well. You, they'll maybe, they may be able to do it mediocrely, but, if you, but in certain areas that men can do things, if you put a man there, it's going to excel way more than a woman. Doesn't mean women, I'm not talking about preaching and teaching. We're going to get into that here in a minute. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about certain things that people do well. When they were equal, they did certain things well. The beauty was that they came together and did them well. And they leaned on one another's strengths and they protected one another's weaknesses. This is how the original intention was supposed to be. But because woman usurped man and decided to put herself first, she became last. Does this make sense? It was Eve's decision to put herself before her husband, and that was her decision. And so God honored that, and the, the first will be. But here's the redeeming factor, ladies. The last shall be. If you take your order that God has placed you in, God's offering you a position in the kingdom that men will never have. If you put yourself last here on this earth, you're going to be put over your husband in heaven in that sense, even though there's no male or female. You have an, op an opportunity. See, the first one that sinned is the, God, is the first one that Jesus actually redeemed. I'll prove that in Scripture. But I want you to, notice, I want you to understand, like, as we go through this issue, I, I want you to understand it's a, it's a corporate issue. It's a, it's a, it's a male-female partnership, and God has designed it to be a certain way, and there are certain effects of sin that we have to deal with. Okay? My wife gets really frustrated at me sometimes. Well, maybe she doesn't, but she'll she be like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> and women do not believe that that's possible. <laughs> but it is. Men, how many of you have a nothing box? Yeah, see? And you can literally think about nothing. Yeah. And women think that that's dumb, like that, but, but yet they're jealous. They want one. But you don't have one and you never will. Why did God create that ability in man? so that he did not have to know everything. He could simply compartmentalize certain things and carry a heavier burden and move forward without the pressure. You with me? They have that place so that they can compartmentalize the level of importance, you being very high at the top and being able to protect that and separate everything else so that they know exactly what to deal with when and the pressure doesn't kill them. You with me? It doesn't mean that they're not thinking about nothing because they're lazy and stupid. It's because they're trying to figure out what's important, and man, men are very, very um, specific to what they're doing at the moment. And if there's something that they can't handle right now because it's not practical or possible, you putting that on them to handle it creates pressure in the marriage. 
that you think that they don't, it doesn't mean anything to them because they, they, aren't, uh, they don't care about it. No, they care about it. It just means they can't do anything about it right now. I, I, as a pastor, I've had prophets or people, I mean, my mom, other people who, who are here very well, they hear differently than I do, and I, I don't see things the way they see them, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I frankly don't want to, but, you know, um, I know it's vital and important, it's, it's absolutely important, the prophetic area, you know, area is absolutely important, but for my gifting that God has given me, when, when someone comes to me, because prophets always see things, they're like, they're like that feminine part of, of, of the fivefold. They see things coming. They're like, this is coming. You gotta, this is coming. This is coming. This is coming. You got to get ready. This is coming. This is coming. This is coming. It's right now. It's right now. It's right now. And then, you know, my gift is like, yeah, you can shout from the rooftop all you want. You can, you can say all this stuff's coming. But until it gets close enough for me to stick my sword in it, I can't worry about it. Like, I, if I can't reach it, I can't touch it. Thank you for warning me. I accept it. But you know what? I'm not going to do anything with that right now because... It's not time. When it comes, then we're going to fight. And we're going to fight together. And what people don't do well is they don't lean on each other's gifts enough in the sense that, thank you for showing me that. Now you've done your part. It's on my shoulders. Let me deal with it. If marriages worked that way and there could be some trust because of love, then things would change. Does this make sense? Okay. Are you with me so far? We haven't even started yet. Literally, I've got like this much notes, and if I scroll, scroll, scroll. So we're not going to get through this in one sermon, but I want to help you understand the power of what it means to submit, and it's actually a biblical term for both parties. Men have to submit just as much as women, just as much, just to different things, different people, right? And it's scary. It's scary to be a man because you're going to be judged for everything. I don't like that. It's a hard burden to bear. You should give your husbands a break sometimes because they carry a lot more eternal consequence than you do. Uh, we're already, we already are, are perfectly aware of how messed up we are anyway. All right. So knowledge without love gives place to fear. I mean, you guys can envision a, maybe a scenario where the husband's at work and he's lost his job and he's trying hard to fix all this stuff, but he doesn't tell the wife and he's trying to hold things up and he's trying to go through, you know, through stuff. And then, and then everything's fine in the home until he finally tells her, I, I, haven't, been, I haven't had work in three weeks. Yeah. What are we going to do? Right? So the knowledge brings the fear. See, before they knew, everything was fine. And then it comes in, why didn't you tell me? And then and it's all this stuff. And then the guy's like, this is why I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> this right here, this is why I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> Are we learning anything? Okay. All right. The tree of knowledge is what the enemy used to get the woman to not submit because the factors that she has in right and wrong brings no trust. So in other words, that, that knowledge causes a lack of submission because she wants to know all the details and she will not do what you're asking to do until all the details are fulfilled. That's not biblical. 
Faith does not give us details. I remember Mother Teresa's story where a guy traveled halfway around the world to go get her to, to pray for him when she was still alive. And, and she, he finally you know, make, goes through all this red tape and finally gets up to her and says, listen, I really need, I, I'd like you to pray for me. And she says, sure, what, what can I pray for you about? He says, I need clarity in my life. And she said, I will not pray for you for clarity. I refuse to. She said, never once in the entirety of my life have I had clarity. I've only had faith. See, women want clarity. What they need is faith. Your marriage has to be founded on love. Has to be. If your marriage is founded on love, faith is easier. Doesn't mean it's, impo- it's, it's, it's easy, it's easier. It's still hard. But it, it's able to be trusted because of the love. Again, this is why the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Love creates an atmosphere where knowledge has no power. That's a good one, Chad. You should write that down. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That wasn't in my notes. There you go. That's a freebie. Okay. Fear is what the enemy uses to justify a lack of submission. Can I tell you a quick story? I was saving it for later in the notes, but fear is what the enemy uses to create a lack of submission. It's a true story. There was a man who, in a, in a, uh, who had a, a pretty successful business, was married, made a lot of money, and had a very astute, with it wife. Very, very astute. And she began to notice things in the business and the books and different things. And she began to notice that the business was going to start to take a dive. And if certain things weren't changed, they were going to lose everything. The man didn't see it. So she decides, she talks to him about it, and he's like, hey, it's all going to be fine, whatever. So she decides to not listen to what he said, and she begins to go behind his back and began to fix the business. Well, she did. She fixed it, and they didn't lose the business. But shortly after that, because the business was fixed, the husband had everything already moved over to separate accounts, was cheating on her with his secretary and left her nothing. And she, this new woman got everything. And God's design was to let the business fail, to expose the husband's infidelity, to bring him to repentance. And she stopped the entire process because she was afraid of losing money. And then she lost it all anyway. See, what you see that needs to be fixed sometimes is the thing that God's going to use to be able to bring restoration. And if you don't have faith and trust in God in bigger areas that you can't see, then you're going to demand that God do everything your way based on what you see in fear. See, fear is is a vision. It's a spiritual ability to see. Fear is demonic prophecy. Whatever is done and spoken in fear gives life to what God is trying to kill. Many times women will bring accusations against their husbands, not because they have, but because they fear they will. 
thus making it so. What does it say? Proverbs says, a wise woman, what? Builds her house. A foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Do you realize it doesn't say a wise man builds his house? See, here's the, here's the idea by God. A man protects what a woman builds. See, women aren't powerless. They are the ones that actually do the building. Okay? They're full of authority and power. But they need to submit, not because they don't have power, but because they do. And the power that they do have is susceptible to a few weaknesses that are absolutely detrimental. A man does not fear what a woman fears. A man is built to battle what a woman fears. What does it say? What casts out fear? Husbands. Whose job is it to cast out fear in the home? See, a man is built to fight what you, what you fear. But if you don't let him, you won't let him love you, you're going to be full of fear. Right. How many of you guys know you can't decide what love is and what love isn't? Because love is who? Do you get to define him at any point? I think Moses tried that once. Who are you? He's like, I get the right to be whoever I want to be. You don't define me, I define you. You don't define love, love defines you. So women, when you understand what love is, you're going to understand what God is, but you're supposed to understand love through your husband, and the husband's supposed to understand what it is to be a bride by the wife. Women, you're supposed to teach us how to be the bride of Christ. And if we see a nagging, fearful, mind-blown female, we have no ability to see what we're supposed to be as the bride as men. nor do we desire it. So we don't know how to be the feminine expression of God when it comes down to that because we don't have godly women to look to to see this is what you should be in the spirit. This is the feminine nature you should take on in the spirit. You follow me? In other words, women, you have the ability to teach us how to be the bride. Am I boring you here today? See, last part, let's, let's read the last verse here. Verse 20, Genesis 3, And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Such a powerful verse. See, all life flows through the feminine expression. If the devil can manipulate the feminine expression, he can manipulate all life. I don't, I don't know if you understand how good that is. See, Adam called his wife the mother of all living. He realized, the, this is after the sin. 
he realized how powerful she was to bring forth life. No matter how good a father is in the home, the life structure of the home comes from the mother. But if the mother's constantly attacking the wife or the, the husband or vice versa, the home is torn down. So fear is what the enemy uses to justify submission. Some people say, well, my husband's not the man of God he should be. Well, are you the woman of God you should be? See, women use that statement to, to not submit because their husband has issues. Again, we go back to the knowledge. You see the sin, therefore you don't want to submit because your vision is so full of sin, you can no longer see Jesus, which means you have no ability to build your house. You only have the ability to tear it down. So, 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 so what, I, what we notice is, is that we're never good enough. Like even in ourselves, men, women combined, we, we look at ourselves, we're better than we were yesterday, but right, we're not where we want to be. Right, so then if, you, if your husband finally becomes what you think you want to, him to be so that you can submit, you're just going to raise the standard again. <laughs> you, you, will, you with me? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so in the beginning of a relationship, you know, you, you have these little things that you establish. And then, you know, if the husband doesn't do that, then, well, he doesn't love me anymore. Yeah, forgive me for, for going here, but, you know, like, a man loves his wife, and she's in the kitchen, he wipes by and slaps her on the butt, you know. I mean, everybody, I do that. Anyway, so, <laughs> if I walk by my wife and I don't smack her on the butt, she's just like. <laughs> you know. Why didn't you smack me on the butt? What is, is it the pants I'm wearing? Is it this? You know, it's, it's, you're laughing. It's true. See, you're going to raise a standard. Like, well, and then after a while, that, that's not good enough. It's something else. Then you got to do this, and then you got to do this. And then if the husband continually tries to serve the wife through her manipulation, there's never going to be any protection. Because after a while, guys are built to the point where when they... The, pers the, one, the person that can tear a guy down the most is, an, is, 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 is their wife. Guys are built to be strong against other men, and like they, we can just, just bulldog and head off and just work to the day we die. We're going to just keep pounding that. that, that. But, but a woman can, can literally take the energy out of a man to where he doesn't even want to try anymore. And then she accuses him for not trying when she's the very source of his lack of, of, of strength. You see how much power you have? You have a lot of power. A lot of power. This is why the enemy came to Eve. See, the enemy has attracted the power. Isn't he? <laughs> he is. He's attracted the power. He does not like weakness. This is why Jesus saved the world through what? Weakness and submission. Because it's something the enemy wants nothing to do with. So God took the base things of the world and made them wisdom under the powers of, of the air. You follow me? It was the thing that the devil didn't want that he used to beat the devil. 
But the devil was attracted to power. He saw something in Eve that he didn't see in Adam. That's why he went for her. Because you have power. Power that's unchecked is dangerous. True or not? Unchecked power is dangerous. This is why we need what? Submission. Anybody ever met a, a cop who's drunk on his own power? Even them, even they, those have to have submission. Power always has to have submission. Always. Without submission, power is devastating. Do you, you ever read Proverbs where, where Solomon warns his sons on the power of a seductive woman? <laughs> she says she has power. And women figure that out as they get older. They, they, they start to realize, you know, I think I'm pretty cute. I can use that to get what I want. And then you figure out which, which men you can manipulate and which ones you can't. And then you really want the ones you can't. Because you know what you're really craving? Strength. How many ladies can be honest in this? Like, you always wanted the ones you couldn't have. Because you're craving strength. It's, not some, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Adamic issue. You want strength in your life. Why? Because the Bible says you're the weaker vessel. Right? But guess what? In the kingdom, weakness is, you, hear what, you see what I'm saying? This is why the enemy keyed in on Eve. So, men, before you start saying, well, you're the weakest, well, to, be, to contextualize weakest, you have to have weak first. So you're weak, she's weaker, right? We're both, we're all weak. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? All right. Women carry the ability to give life, more so than anyone. Is the church represented as the bride? And we're supposed to go, what? Make disciples? We're supposed to go give life, freely you receive, freely you give. The church is the expression of the feminine nature of God. We're supposed to bring forth life. Why? Because that's the, that's the woman's job. In the spiritual sense, we are all collectively the bride, and that's our job, is to bring forth life, not death. But what we want to do is we want to look at where life's not being given to us and justify why we don't have to give life back. See, if you have an idea that you only give life to those who give life to you, then you're not under the order of God. This is what men and women make it hard because they're like, well, well, my husband doesn't do this for me, he doesn't do this for me. He doesn't. That's not the point. The point isn't what he's not doing for you. The point is what you are doing for God and him. See, God requires you to give life regardless of whether you're, giving, you're being given it or not. Just like God requires the man to lead the home, and he's going to be judged by it whether he is or not. It works both ways. God has requirements on both parties. God requires you to give life to your husband. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? This is why the Bible through Paul says, women do not defraud your husband. Women use sex for manipulation. 
It's wrong. Anybody, any woman that ever does that, in, if, you, if that's you in here, you're being used demonically by the devil to tear down your house. And then you're, then you're upset when he's tempted by another woman. You're the cause of that. A satisfied man doesn't want to go anywhere else. It's true. A man who really loves God, he can't even, the, the devil may try to tempt him with other things, but he can't even, he can't even think of cheating on his wife. He can't even think of it. Proverbs 14.1, every wise woman that builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Listen to this in, in Ruth, chapter 4, verse 11. It's talking about Ruth. And they're, they're praising her in, in, in their state, make a statement. It says, and all the people that were in the gate and all the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that has come into your house like Rachel and like Leah. These two built the house of Israel and do thou worthily and be famous in Bethlehem. So these people speak over her two things. They said, you be like Rachel and Leah who built the house of Israel. That's powerful. That these two women are personified in Scripture as the ones who built the house of Israel. You see that? So Paul says in verse 22, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Now, don't go trying to find an escape in the meaning of that Greek word. It literally means to put yourself under. That's what it means. Not because you're less, but because it's the attitude of Christ. Right? As unto the Lord. So here's the thing. First of all, I want to say this. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto your Lord. It says your own husbands. Husbands, it doesn't say you make them submit. It says wives... You submit to your own husband. You follow me that? You don't have to submit to somebody else's husband. You have to submit to your husband. There's times where I'll get prophetic words for certain ladies in the church, and I will always go to their authority first. I will never just take on an idea and just go, hey, I've got a word for you. I will go ask the husband, say, this is what I feel. This is the word. Do you want to give it to her, or do you want me to? You're the authority. I have to submit as a pastor in a church to the headship of the families in, in the house. I can't tell your wife and kids what to do. Does it make sense to you? Yeah. Wives, submit to your own husbands, and you submit to them as you were submitting unto God. It doesn't mean that they're God. It means that you would submit to them the way you would submit to Jesus. Because submission is only possible when we're doing it to the person who is not going to harm us, and that is always the Father. So some people say, well, you know, my husband's not worth submitting to. But Jesus is, and he asks you to do it. Yeah. Because power has to remain checked. Yeah. And there's certain things men are better at dealing with than women, and there's certain things that are women are better dealing with than men. The goal is where we can use both powers and come together in unity. That's the goal. That doesn't always happen, but that's the goal. 
when it comes to an issue of deference, when it comes to an issue of like, you know, there's, there's two parties that are like, hey, you know, we can't agree, and this is a major issue. Wives, you got to let the t- husband take the lead. Why? Because he's going to be judged by it. And if you let him take the lead and he's wrong, you're okay. But in him being wrong, you might fear, but here's the thing. When God, God's ability to work with wrong is amazing. He took your sin and used it to bring you to him. And if you don't think that God can't do that with your husband, then you have very little faith in your father. Now, husbands, that doesn't mean that you, if at any point you feel like this is, gives you the right to be like, you're going to submit to me, you're not hearing what I'm saying. In fact, if those words come out of your mouth, you're already gone. You've already lost the, the, the whole reality. It, it, God told me a long time ago, it, true leaders don't have to ask anybody to follow them. You just look over your shoulder and there's people there. Because you're not asking them to be. You're doing what you know you need to do, and you're trying to love people the way they need to be loved, and eventually people will follow you. Some of you guys are going to try to go home and try to love your wives and do all these types of things, but you've got to understand that she doesn't trust you. And you're going to have to regain trust. That doesn't mean, ladies, you can use that to hold that over his head. But it does mean you're going to have to regain trust. Because if you've had X amount of years living a certain way, it's going to take time for her mind to be healed and to be able to trust. Now, forgiveness, you have to forgive. Ladies, you have to forgive. you got to release them and let them go. But as they begin to make steps to try to trust and to try to come into a better relationship, you have to give them some sort of encouragement. You have to, or they'll quit. And the thing you want them to be will never happen because you're not feeding it. All right, so I want you to understand that submission is a kingdom reality that operates on the foundation of love. Submission is not just for women. It's for everybody. It's a kingdom issue. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. How come it's so late? Man, I'm sorry, y'all. Submission is a voluntary release. Hear me now. Submission is a voluntary release of what we own in order to secure something better than what we have. It's one of the deepest actions of trust a person can ever show. Submission opens to you something that you do not naturally possess. It gives you access to something you don't have on your own. When, wives, when you submit to your husbands, it's not a dominance issue. It's an opening of yourself to his strengths that you don't naturally possess that complement who God made you to be. Are you following me? Yeah. See, some people take submission so far in the alpha sense that, you know, they won't let their wives do any of the books or any of this and da 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 But then there's also the Ahab type thing where men are so lazy and spiritually unresponsible, they, they, won't, they don't want to do any of that, so they put it on their wives. No, I think it should be a joint effort, and I think some people do better with those types of things than others. In some households, the woman can run the books and do fine. In some other households, the men can do better than the woman because each person's built differently on those tiny micro issues. But it's not a cut-and-dry issue on those types of details. What we're talking about is the spiritual reality of who God made us to be and bringing forth life in the kingdom and how we get there together. Yes, 
Does this make sense to you? See, I don't have time. I will go through it. We'll go through Proverbs 31, but I'll, I'll give you a hint. You know, nowhere in Proverbs 31 does it, does it uh, hint at that women are just, you know, sexual objects just to raise children. There's nowhere in there that says that. I mean, she's, this, this woman that he, he, he personifies is very smart. She's good with money. She makes purchases. She buys fields. She has investments. You know, she's strong. She, she runs things. She, you know, she has honor amongst people. I mean, you know, there's, this submission's not this inferior place of, of, of weakness. It's, it's an opening of oneself to strengths that one does not possess so that the whole unity can come back into position. It says submit yourselves, right? You have to do that. Nobody can make you, not your husband, not your pastor, not your leaders. You have to do that. And if you don't do it, that's your loss. See, see, it's... People think, you know, in an American sense, where whoever's on top is on top and they're the most powerful. That's not, it's not a kingdom reality. You guys understand the president of the United States is not the smartest man in the world. I'm not talking about our current one. I'm talking about in general. In general, all of them combined. What makes a good president is the advisors that he has in his life. So the advisors actually have the power to move the king's ear. See, the direction of the country sometimes is shifted by people behind the scenes. Women, that's you. It's extremely, it's an extreme form of power. Yeah, the guy may make the decision, but it's, it might have been the woman's prayer and idea. See, the man's supposed to protect what the woman builds. So when we get to the men, I'll encourage them, you need to listen to your wives. There's times that God's going to speak to them. There's times that God's going to use them as the voice, and he's not going to talk to you. He's going to talk to them. But then there's other times where men have to be smart enough to know that this isn't the voice of the Lord in my, my wife's head. This is the voice of fear. And ladies, you, you have to be okay when that's called out. Like, honey, we're not going to get into fear over this. This is, this is, this is going the wrong direction. And women, you have to be reasonable. We'll, we'll talk about it. First Peter talks about women having a sober mind. In other words, the ability to control their thoughts. That word literally means in the Greek, an ability to harness one's thoughts. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> because you don't have a nothing box. See? You need to rely on those who do. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Why does he say this in, in Ephesians 5.22? Because if the home is out of order and a woman tears her entire house down, when it comes time to actually fight in Ephesians 6, we're all done. If the enemy brings division in through the woman or through the man, then the rest of the house has no chance to stand in battle when the attacks come. God envisioned this thing to be a unified front. And I want to destroy the idea that submission is weakness. I will get into the issues in Scripture, even Jesus himself, where he submitted. Submitted in areas where he was right and everybody else was wrong, but he still submitted. Why? Because the power is not in being right. The power is in submission. Most of the time, people being right, it just causes more argument. Because we demand that, our, that, that the other person see things our way. 
Ladies, I'm telling you this, God has an intense ability to be able to do great things in your home through the stupid things that your man does. In fact, God loves that environment because that's when he, you know, and everybody else know, that wasn't my husband, that was only Jesus, and that's where he gets the glory. But you can't blame him for that. You can't blame him for being weak when you're the weakest. Are you hearing me? Anytime you think your husband's something, add the est to that to you. Because all of us are in serious need of something other than ourselves. <laughs> you didn't figure that out yet? You got a lot to learn. We need each other. I need my wife. She needs me. I don't need to be her job. She doesn't need to be my job. We need to let each other work in our, in our areas. She'll ask me things certain times. And sometimes my wife will ask me things, and I realize it's out of fear, but she thinks it's out of submission. And I realize, this is your role, not mine. And you're trying to get me to do your job. No, you make the decision. But she's afraid of making the wrong one. So she's like, what do you think I should do? I'm like, no, I'm not getting into that. And then she's, she, could have, she can have the temptation to go, well, you just don't care. No, it's like, I do care, but you don't want me making that choice because I'm not the guy. And I'm not going to let your fear take you out of your position. I'm going I'm to hold you to what you need to do in your life because that's the area in which God's going to use you to work. She might see it as apathy. I see it as not giving in to a spirit that's trying to pull her out of her power. I might not explain it that way, but again, if we have to have everything explained, there's no faith and there's no love. Are you following me? How many of you has this helped you so far? Yeah? You learn anything? Got lots more notes. We'll have to pick it up next week. Please stand with me. Ladies, I want you to just analyze your heart this week and ask yourself if you've been tearing your house down or if you've been building it. And this, I guess this goes for, for people who are, you know, no longer married and have grandkids and kids. You can still tear your house down and build it up. You still have authority and you still have power no matter what age you are. It doesn't mean if, if you're not married and you have kids, it doesn't mean you have no influence. It, it does not mean that at all. You still have the same power. But I want you to look at your life, and I want you to look at your, your own heart and ask yourself, you know, ha have I really been in submission? Have I really been checking the power that God has given me to something other than myself? Have I, have I been checking myself and, and, and using what God has given me in my life to be able to be safe with what God's given me and the ability to, that, I, that I have? Or have I been demanding my husband do, to do things that I even wouldn't do if I was him? You understand what I'm saying? Because this, is, this requires repentance. It requires a change of mindset. Right? I, I say this to ladies all the time that want to complain about their husbands. I'm like, you know what? At least if, if your husband is trying, if he's trying to follow Jesus, ladies, you need to be in a submissive mindset. doesn't mean he's going to be perfect. And we'll, we'll get into what if he's not saved and all that type of stuff, and we'll, we'll deal with that stuff later as we go on. But I want to give you practical realities to, to how church is supposed to roll, how, how families are supposed to run, what God's order is, and how it brings peace back into, in, into, into the family, into the culture, into the community.
Does this make sense to you? We have to have this. The gospel's not always like, you know, it's not always like this Holy Spirit thing where you have this emotion and the altar experience. A lot of the gospel is practical. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a way of life that God emulates through his people because his people submit to that life and they're willing to have their lives changed. And it brings forth order and structure and power and grace. And if both parties in a, in a home are def- have the mindset to defer, not in escape or not in control or manipulation, but just to defer to one another. Man, things go so beautifully. But it's when we start fighting for what we think the other person should do that chaos begins to come. And ladies, I'm telling you, you have more of an ability to wreck your house than your guy does. You do. You have more of an ability to, to wreck your home than your husband ever will. The husband protects what the wife builds. So build well. Father, we thank you that everything in you is beautiful. And there is no lesser person. There is no lesser category. That you have beautifully gifted all of us in individuality. So that that individuality can come forth in unity. Because that can only happen by your spirit. So we ask for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come into every mind and heart and home. And begin to move the thoughts of people towards the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of earth. Father, that under the power of the gospel would become true to us and part of our vibrant nature that we organically reflex to in our life, in our homes, in our marriages. I pray for every one of them that they would be blessed under the favor of God. That, Lord, your heart would be established through these ladies in this room. That, Father, that they would have the strength. As Proverbs 31 says, she strengthens her arms. And that's, that's done so that she can build. So, Father, I pray that you strengthen the arms of the, of the ladies in this church. That, Father, that they would, they, would, they would build your kingdom well and model and personify to us as the male side of who you've created us to be, what it's like to be the bride. That through their submission, we submit to you. That as they submit to us, it, it, it convicts our hearts to submit to you, Father. And then all of us are in submission. All of us are underneath the headship of Christ. And your plan and your kingdom work beautifully. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming.